Hello and welcome to the Ecclesia podcast where we are sharing stories and conversations about what it looks like to live in a holistic Christian missional community. I'm Jeremy Schrader here with my friend Eric Wally and Eric this week we are we're talking a- to uh, Eric Graham and Chris C. Sorry I cut you off. <laughs> um, we'll keep going though. Um, but they're talking we're wrapping up the theology of the body series which we've been in for the past four or five weeks. And um, for a lot of us who've heard the sermons, who's been in the room, maybe you've watched online, um, it's it's elicited a lot of response um, because it is a subject that just is naturally going to bring a reaction. And so for us, you know, today we wanted to, in some ways, close out that conversation with Erica and Chris as they talk a little bit about their experiences with the body and even just their experiences preparing to give these messages um you know what have some of the responses been and in, in some ways also offering like what what's the path forward and um you know, pastor chris touches on this but just as a reminder we'll say it a few times um, we are putting together some resources um, there is a, a group that's going to be um, put together in the new year um, a, around some of these topics and um, you can find all that at slash the body um, we'll have all the sermons, resources, this podcast um, as just a, a place where you can, if you want to continue this conversation, you can. So without any further ado, um, here's our conversation with Erica and Chris. We don't get to hang out that often anymore. I know. And today we get to hang out and talk about something we both care about a lot. Um, in this series, which is really fun. And then we get to invite other people in our conversation, which my guess is based on our typical conversations will be really meaningful and interesting and who knows where it'll go. Yeah. So I would love to hear just like your experience. Now you've, you preached this last weekend, you're going to be preaching to close out the series, what your experience has been like listening to the series and participating in it and maybe how that's different or anything you yeah. Think. Um, I've really been enjoying this series. And I think I've heard that reflected in our community as well. And I loved what you said kind of at the beginning of the series that this is something we don't always talk about. And it's the most human thing ever to live in a body. It's quite literally like what it means to be human. And um, it can be isolating sometimes in our bodies and to talk about it openly and talk about um, the different layers of trauma or shame and all that we experience in a body and how to really integrate that in a meaningful, spiritual way. Um, It's been healing for me to hear these and be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Preaching it has been, for me, maybe one of the hardest sermons to preach in part. And we learned this. We started having, it's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast. We started talking about this in staff meetings. And I noticed when we started talking about our bodies, people started to react in their body. You could see people start to kind of twitch a little bit. People got really uptight. You could feel the room shift, right? And it was like, oh my God, I don't want to talk about my body. Um, Mm. And, or this is really hard or it's really triggering. And I'm enough of an empath. And I think especially when I preach, I'm reading the room and I'm, you know, we've had multiple people as I preach cry to the point they had to get up and leave or, Mm. you know, physically shaking through the sermon to the point that it's, you know, you want to stop and, you know, and go and embrace them. And um, I think 
Hmm. We all that like we get triggered in our bodies. Like we carry our life with us, right? So it's it's a vulnerable moment that it's coming out. I think the most hopeful thing for me about it, I'd, I'd say it's some of the hardest sermons to preach because I'm aware of that. And if you say, Sean says often, like people always hear the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And if you don't say something exactly right, you could actually do some harm mm. um, for people and the way they understand their body or sexuality or, and that part feels really delicate, right? And you want to care well for it. Um, but I will say, I feel like, and I credit the community for this, like we have the kind of community that people have felt safe enough to bear their souls in some ways. And a lot of people have come forward to me with stories they haven't shared before, mm. um, repressed memories, things that are coming out, you know, our body, isn't it amazing? Like how often, and people don't realize how many people have those kind of repressed memories, right? That Mm. that you literally erase something from your it's, body keeps the score talks a lot about it right that you you have this ability to erase it and deal with it when you're actually healthy enough to deal with it right and it mm. comes back so knowing that we're preaching on something like this means we're inviting people to engage some of those things and all those things are hard right but they're the only way forward you know to a better path and the truth is, like, when we live well in our bodies, like, everything's better, you know? When you wake up in the morning and you're, like, you ache from mm-hmm. pain and shame and, you know, fear, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a bad way to live. So yeah. that part makes me really hopeful that, that maybe people are catching on to something that could really change the way we live mm-hmm. every day. Yeah, I think that very first sermon that kind of framed the body as not this like rotten flesh, but something that was good and made in the image of God. Um, I think of if I would have lived that and believed that as a teenager, just how different my whole experience would be. Yeah. Um, I think as a woman, um, and and the more I listen and read, I, I understand men go through this too. They just don't talk about it in the same way. Um, but I remember being a teenager and going on a diet and losing weight to get faster in track. And as an athlete, it was always this war, like me against my body. Hmm. And um, if my body was hurting, if she was tired, if she was hungry, it was... Um, a nuisance. Yeah. It was annoying. It was to be overcome, not listened to. Mm-hmm. And I think in athletics a lot, that that kind of mind over matter mentality, like override anything your body tells you until it catches up to you. And then I had a bunch of stress fractures and was injured. And, um, you know, I think to believe that our body has wisdom and yeah. to believe that that wisdom is good in offering us important information. Yeah. Um, Hillary McBride, who um, does a lot of work on embodiment, she has this exercise where she refers to her body as she for this very reason. Hmm. Because when she thinks that um, her body is hungry or tired or, or sad, um, a way to really humanize it is to say, yeah. she's hungry, she is tired. She is exhausted. And you would never look at someone else and be like, no, you aren't. You're fine. Get up, drink more coffee. But to yourself, you do that all day. Totally. 
And so um, just I wish that that first sermon I had when I was 13 years old mm. and that I would have believed it too. And to think like that we get to raise our kids, hopefully at Ecclesia and a place that hopefully our kids do hear that, right? Mm. That there are a lot of messages that if anything is worth pushing through the painful parts of engaging the subject is that kids would grow up without the same kind of shame around sexuality that they would look at their bodies and listen, you know, listen to mm -hmm. their bodies. And, um, you know, I don't know what we had this fear, like we were going to be lazy or something or just something <laughs> that was like, just push, push, push. And it just like, it didn't, it, it wasn't good for us. Mm -hmm. Right. And instead to have a self talk and that's what I'm learning. Almost no one, at least my age, has a healthy self-talk to themselves about their body, right? Mm. So that's probably a good thing for me to practice. Like he, in reference to my body, like mm. he needs this. He needs sleep. Yeah, because you know? you'd never be like to someone else. No, that's not real. Yeah. Yeah. I've, you know, I've, Kristen and I are really different in the kind of shows that we watch. And I've realized a lot of it is because, um, like, one, she loves cheesy sitcoms that I think are ridiculous. And second, <laughs> she she loves, you know, cry, uh, you know, Law and Order SVU and like all the Dateline specials where somebody gets killed. <laughs> and literally, if I watch one of those, I, my, I get uh. so like, I want to go pastor those people. Like, I, mm. because I'm used to being the person that was there after somebody gets murdered. And, mm. you know, when somebody has committed suicide. And I end up being one of the first people there. Mm. And so when I hear those stories, it's there's nothing there's nothing good about it for me. Mm. It, I don't I can't do it. My body literally and I have to listen early on. It was like, well, I'm just going to push through and I'm going to watch a couple of these. Right. And I just mm. realized, like, this is not good for me. My body is telling me, do mm. not watch this show. Like, it's just not it's not healthy or good. And for different people, like she's an amazing person. Right. It's, yeah. And everybody loves those Dateline podcasts. And yeah. I just don't. I just can't yeah. do it. And so it's we're all different. We have to listen to ourselves like, okay, mm. that's not good for me. So mm -hmm. I love I love at the end of the day around all of this that legalism like is, was so destructive in my youth and the churches mm. that I see it um, so dominant in. And Paul's teaching is really, really helpful in terms of like everything's permissible. Is it beneficial? And then we all get to ask that question. Like for me, watching Dateline is actually sinful. I would not be a better person. Mm. Now, for somebody else, it's great. It's just not beneficial for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that even makes sense to most people. Yeah, it does make it, sense. Yeah. I there, I we once were watching this Netflix series. I can't remember the name of it, but it was a family in Wisconsin, which is where I'm from, and. Um, it was kind of like a murder mystery type show. And I had the same impulse. I was really obsessed with this case. Like couldn't let it go. Hmm. You know, if my husband's eating peanut butter and jelly. It's like, how can you eat right now? We got to figure this out, you know? And I sent, I found their address and I sent them an edible arrangement. And um, I told my friends, we were all watching the show together, and they're like, you did what? I'm like, I sent them an edible arrangement. And they're like, what is a basket of fruit going to do? And to this day, they'll be like, remember when Erica sent them an edible arrangement? Um, but I get it. Uh, yeah. You know, I too, like, I can yeah. be consumed by it. Yeah. And a need to act even if 
I'm powerless over the situation at hand. That is so Erica to send. <laughs> and of like pineapple. I've got to do something. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I As I think through all of this, I'm curious your thoughts on like, how do you hope it, it changes us like as a church to go through this series, to think about our bodies. I mean, you've had a, you've talked a lot about your journey with like exercise being not healthy in mm. the past. Like how as a woman that now, right, you've, I mean, to me, it's still the greatest miracle of all things that you women can give birth to a human being, right? And Jet is like a massive human being. She's and not small. Like how, how does that even happen, right? And how do we go through those things and then somehow pretend like they're normal and not have this awe, right, for mm. the body? Um, and birthing kids, right? My favorite, I talk about it way too much. It's <laughs> probably creepy but <laughs> but when our kids were born i read from cover to cover this massive book by sears and sears called the baby book right and it mm. was all about the medical parts of and it just but it explained things like how breast milk works right and oh how it gosh. changes in the different stages and how um the mucus from the baby's mouth on the mother's breast would tell the mother's body what immunities the baby needed <laughs> and the milk would change. And it was just for me, like mind blown. I could I not know. believe that God made our bodies that could do all of that. Right. I mean, what has that journey been like and how has that affected your, we all have this antagonistic relationship with our bodies. Mm -hmm. Surely after that, there's a, gotta be a little bit like, wow, I'm a badass. Like I, I gave birth to a yeah. human. Like, Yeah. I, I think, first of all, for pregnant, I, I was one of those like weirdos that loved being pregnant, loved it, every second of it. Um, I think with so many years of trying to control my body, it was the ultimate surrender to mm. just be like, my body is housing a human. Interesting. It. I remember a, a professor once, I was taking classes when I was pregnant and the professor was like, you know, you didn't do very well on this assignment, blah, 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 you missed this part. And I was what, like, Normally that could send me into shame and I was pregnant at the time and I was like, I'm growing eyeballs today. <laughs> so if, if I get a B on this assignment, like, are you making an eyeball right now? Um, so it's just amazing. And I think we forget like how absurd and beautiful and like mysterious the whole process is. So for me, it was like the ultimate surrender mm. to just say my body is housing this other human and growing a human. And then it's funny. Um, my child is huge. He's, he's a big boy and I've not weaned him yet. And in the airport, like, especially there's like uh, nursing is magic on a plane. It can just knock him out into oh, a nap. And keep their ears from popping. It's and the best. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I'll get some looks. I like put a blanket over both of us. So I'm, we're just like this giant red ghost on a plane and it's like a big child. And I know that's like, <laughs> I used to judge those moms. I'd be like, the kid can walk and talk. You should maybe take him off. Yeah. But, um, it's also been a practice in trusting myself and my body. Yeah. And even if, you know, the world thinks it's a little weird to have a child that big that hasn't been weaned, um, to your point, I'm just in awe of the yeah. whole process. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, my husband will say I get cocky about it because Jet will have a cold. I'll be like, I got the antibodies. Don't yeah. worry about it. I mean, it's a, it's a miracle. <laughs> it is. It's a miracle. It's true. And 
and Jet, right, ought to have some prerogative and like that. I mean, that. Yeah. How you do that, right, is right. just still, it's beyond me. And I also will say, I'm also aware that like breastfeeding is such a privilege and gift. And a lot of women um, aren't able to do it for a number of reasons. And I'm not someone who's like, breastfeeding is the only way. Yeah. But it has been healing for me yeah. specifically. But the fact that your body is. Can, Capable yeah. of it is something totally. we should be in awe of, yeah. right? And everybody's got a different work situation and life situation right. and different health issues and whatever it is. But right. the fact that God created women in a way that you can That's... bring life into existence in that way, it's still just like... Yeah. And, and that God could have... Like, it could have happened any kind of way, right? But there's this transition of like getting to know jet in the womb mm -hmm. and then this beautiful transition of birth of him coming out into mm -hmm. the world and you know and him being so vulnerable to get to be cared for mm -hmm. right and which which i know is a part of like all of our stories and that we all like none of us had perfect parents right so mm -hmm. you have the best i mentioned in one of the sermons just that because if you talk about the body, you got to talk about shame. You talk about sex, you got to mm -hmm. talk about shame. Yet for a lot of us, even our origin, right? Not every person is planned. Like parents were not like, mm -hmm. we are perfectly financially ready. We are married. <laughs> we are like, now we're going to have a baby. Some people, it happens that way. A lot of us were just like, oh crap, we're having a baby, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us pick up on that part of our story, right? That I was born into a little bit of a chaos or maybe I was a crisis um, or maybe my parents just weren't mature enough to be parents yet. Mm. And a lot of them figured it out along the way. Um, but we all have some wounds that go way, way back. Mm. And it's so hard, like in therapy and other places to try to figure out, like you don't have conscious memories of that, but we all have these mm. childhood wounds that, that shape us. And my hope is that, this series is a place that all of us could go. Hey, that's normal. Like yeah. that's okay. Um, I'm not the only person sitting on my row that feels like I was born into a shameful situation. Yeah. Um, and I feel like naming that and noticing it in yourself and naming it is like how it gets out. I mean, that's what the body keeps the score. Essentially. Like if people haven't read the whole book, it's can be a bit dense, but at the end of the day, it says like there is power in naming it. And there's power in walking with people. Mm. So when you finally acknowledge, like, hey, I kind of raised myself, you know, like my parents weren't around or whatever it is, right? That was part of your trauma and your story. Just saying it is the first big step forward, right? And mm -hmm. instantly you start to go, oh, I feel a little bit better. Like that explains something, right? Yeah. And, and you know, again, therapy is not everything, but sitting with a therapist that goes, you know, will on a regular basis say, I'm, I'm amazed that you're functioning as well as you are. Right. Mm. Or that like you went through a lot, just when another person tells you that, like, that's a lot to carry. Mm. You feel like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not crazy. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and that's a really good thing for everybody. Cause we all grew up and were raised in this broken world. Yeah. And I feel like therapy, the kind in recovery, the kind of freedom it gives you access to, you can then use that in the world. Like yeah. sometimes you don't even know you're in a cage until you go to therapy and realize the ways in which you're operating. 
have been how your body's hanging on to old stuff that you didn't even realize. Yeah. Uh, one thing I learned about myself in therapy was that um, when I was young, I was a really late reader. I was a late developer, just like intellectually in school. I was behind. I get pulled out of class to go to like a special reading group. This was in first grade. Yeah. And I viscerally remember the feeling of getting up from a table and going into a special room. And I also remember being at that same table and the teacher saying, we need the talented and gifted kids and all my friends leaving mm -hmm. for the talented and gifted program. Mm -hmm. And to this day, what I've realized is I chase approval from people I think that are smart and I want them to think I'm smart. Mm -hmm. and, and that like has been exhausting. Like if, if that's my goal is to like make quote unquote smart people think I'm quote unquote smart, um, I'm going to be exhausted at the end of my life. Yeah. And so to just like notice, oh, I'm doing this and this is why and I don't have to. Now I have access to freedom and more time and I can identify it. Oh, yeah, you want this person to think you're smart. Just don't go there. Erica. Yeah. yeah. And now I have more energy for the world. So yeah. it's like. I didn't think that was why I did what I did, but it was. Yeah. So it's it's just endlessly giving and, and generative. And most people would never guess that, right? Would right. never know that about your story. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody has those For places, sure. right? Mm -hmm. That re that we thought, you know, and we were, I mean, whether it was from parents or from a yeah. teacher or from peers, we heard things that were cruel. And the way that our brains work, I don't understand it. But we hold on to that thing yeah. and we don't remember as well the teacher that said, you're awesome. Right. And you're, you know, we somehow gloss over that. Yeah. And, and you know, again, it motivated. I had a, a high school teacher that told me I was an awful writer, right? And I just, every book I wrote, I wanted to send to her and mm. just say, <laughs> you know, how many books have you written? Yeah. Like, it just, she was just so, she was so mean. And... I don't, you wonder like, why, why were people, why are people mean? Yeah. But the truth is like, and we know this in community, like hurt people, hurt people. Yes. And so we turn around often and end up doing the same mm -hmm. things that we despised. If we don't mm -hmm. get some healing and make a journey. I mean, waking up to that cycle and pattern, like, like you said, I, my first day in therapy, I remember saying, um, I don't really need to be here. This is going to be kind of a one-off. I want to get consulted on one issue and then like, you'll never see me again because I'm fine. You know, and then three years later, I'm, yeah. I'm still doing the process. And, and, and I think you can, there are recovery communities that um, are free of charge. Yeah. There, you know, therapy also is such a luxury and there are so many ways, I think, to be in communities that engage honestly. Yeah. And it's that honesty. And, and I think that's what this series is offering our community is a space to be honest about a subject that isn't easy to talk about, as you mentioned. No, no. And and the thing I'm really grateful for is the number of people that have reached out to me and shared really difficult parts of their story. And I'm really hopeful that they're going to get. And we've offered, I, early in the series, I mentioned that when I was at seminary, we were told that one out of every four people had experienced some kind of sexual abuse. Mm. And early in ministry, I realized the number was a lot higher. And mm. I had a conversation with my parents about this. Um, 
last week, Chris and I went to visit them after my dad had been in the hospital. And instantly when I said it, and I told them a lot of people are reaching out to me right now because my somebody hit my phone with a message about sexual abuse while I was there. Mm. And I said it to my parents, and my parents instantly go, it's one and two. Now, that's anecdotal, right? Mm. But in their experience, um, and if you think about, for a lot of us, people that you know that you're close to, if they've opened up to you, start to realize, like, the, the number's really high. So mm-hmm. our friend Dan Allender has written what is considered, like, the landmark book on healing from any kind of trauma, really. But particularly if people have endured any kind of sexual abuse. And I think, I really do think it's the most evil in the place that we're supposed to be most vulnerable and experience the most beauty for that to be a place of violation and violence. Right. Mm. And I mean, sexual violence is, is the most evil. And so just to be able to name like anything we've endured in that area, like we need healing on, we need to. So Paul Randall's going to be doing a book group. In fact, if people go to the website, we're going to have a lot of resources at ecclesiahouston.org slash the body. And on that site, we'll have some books and resources that people that want to continue this journey. And one of those will be encouraging people to participate in that Wounded Heart uh, book group. But I know in my own journey, for me, a lot was just the secondary trauma that I endured as a pastor. Because forever, mm. I just thought it was normal that you... You know, you show up when somebody gets killed and you're there to pray with them and love them. And I had more Mm -hmm. times than I could count that I left home with blood on me or just and you get home and you're like, that was a lot. Mm -hmm. And I finally started doing EMDR, which if people haven't done it, I really recommend finding somebody that has these the actual paddles that you put in your hand because it just um, they vibrate and your eyes do what they do when you're sleeping Mm -hmm. and your brain is. And I finally unpacked like a massive load of just bad experiences. They'll have you journal all these. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget. I got in the car and I felt my neck and I was like, it's never felt like that before. Like it was always a rock, you know? Mm -hmm. And it felt like that feels like a a muscle fiber and tendons Mm -hmm. and I could move. And I was just like, that's how I want to live going Mm -hmm. forward. And my guess is there are a lot of Ecclesians that, are carrying things in their body that have just become, it was just normal for me to live with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And my neck and my back hurt. And there wasn't enough massages in the world that Mm -hmm. could deal with that. That something about pursuing that healing, and you think you're going to the therapist for one, right? And it just, (laughs) it starts to to pour out of you. And hopefully it's a safe place. I will say as well, a lot of therapists do group therapy and group therapy can be really, really powerful. in part because you're getting to care for other people and other people are getting to care for you. And often in group therapy, um, you get to address people like for some of you to confront, let's say your abuser or your mother, or it wouldn't actually be helpful um, to sit down with them. Mm -hmm. But in group therapy, you will often, you know, they would say, Erica, you know, Erica is going to be your mom. Talk to her. Right. Mm. And I mean, in that moment, like you become my mom and I say to you things that not if my mom's watching, I don't really need to talk to you about anything, but, <laughs> but offer that healing that could be really, really helpful. So wherever, you know, that healing path leads, my hope is people will just take it. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. 
I think too, as you talk about therapy and what it's called EMDR. EMDR. Right? Um, like one thing I've noticed while doing this series is how integrated the mind, body, soul is. You know, we talk about them like they're three separate things. Yeah. And what all these sermons has revealed is that there's so much interconnection and untangling it. Like here you release some trauma in your body that showed up in the back of your neck. And that's something that I think is so important and also like really exciting moving forward because some of this like scientific research is relatively new. And yet scripture is like revealed this 2000 years ago, yeah. this truth that like, hey, the, the Trinity is also real in your bodies in some ways. Yeah. And it's all interconnected. Yeah. And, and the truth is when you're carrying shame, right, from uh, spiritual environments that weren't healthy or good or like, you know, you're, you're going to be sick to your stomach. Some people think like, I don't know, maybe you need to go to the doctor for irritable bowel or maybe you're carrying some things you don't need to carry, mm -hmm. you know, and you need to forgive somebody. And I'm, I'm amazed when I make progress in those ways, how different I feel in my body. And, yeah. and, and, you know, for people to realize as well, especially when you've come from dysfunction in your family, like when your home is a safe place and you feel safe and loved and cared for there, you feel like you can rest there you're just a better person all the way around. So mm -hmm. do whatever you have to do to live an environment that feels nurturing and healthy and good for you. And, you know, you'll be better at work. You'll be a better friend. You'll be a better daughter or son of God. Just you're going to be a better brother or sister. And it, you know, what we eat and how we sleep and all those things, mm -hmm. they really, really matter. Yeah. So Eric, when so much you're, you're going to preach um, the last sermon in this series, as we process trauma and grief and a lot of bad ideas about the body and the body being bad, and as we move forward, what are the things that you're learning this week that you're going to share that you think will be hopeful and helpful for people? Yeah. Well, I think this series has allowed us, first of all, to feel these uncomfortable feelings that we maybe didn't even realize we were running from. And then it's like, well, what do you do with yeah. this feeling? And um, the last uh, sermon is going to be on the body of Christ as a whole, um, both as a metaphor and literally the body of Christ and kind of what that has done for us and also how we can bring this healing into our lives, in our, into our churches, into the larger body of Christ. Um, one um, kind of metaphor that I love for this, um, for this last sermon is um, I recently discovered that the Latin word from religion is to um, re, religar. Is that's the Latin version, and what that actually means is to bond. It's where the word ligament comes from. <laughs> re ligament. Yeah. And the ligament is the perfect body metaphor for holding together. Mm. And so when religion is done well. It's going to hold together the body of Christ. Oh, that's good. And and what I love about that is I often use religion as a bad thing. I'm like, I'm. You hear a lot of young people say spiritual but not religious. Yeah. Or I have people come up to me all the time and they're like, my daughter won't go to church. She lives in Atlanta. 
um, please pray for her. And I do, but I have to wonder if the daughter doesn't go to church for good reasons. Yeah. And yeah. maybe religion, if it's doing what it's supposed to, is connecting mm. and being that re-ligament within the body of Christ. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I'm hoping to, with this last sermon, just encourage people to bring that healing into the world because the best thing about, I think, healing trauma and cycles is that it's going to heal others. Yeah. yeah. And healing in isolation is never the point. In fact, I don't even think it's possible. Yeah, I don't think it is. Well, that, I mean, it lands perfectly with kind of my big hope for this series that I, my guess is a lot of people felt like they were alone. Like they would look at somebody else and say, well, they're beautiful. They love their body. They're this, they're, and the truth is all of us have this struggle and all of us have pain and trauma as a part of our story. And so this hope that we would actually be brought together, not live in isolation with some of these things Mm -hmm. and that we could find healing and hope and could practice you know, one of the ecclesia rhythms that we would just be real with each with each other and we'd share our real stories and our real feelings and our real pains. And if we'll do that, I'm really hopeful that we'll experience healing. I think the religion and the religious culture you're talking about that I grew up with was this kind of fake it till you make it. And it didn't really work. Mm. Um, this pretending to be better than we are. And instead, Let's acknowledge where we're at and then let's get someplace better together and mm. let's talk to each other in kind ways and build one another up. So wherever you're at in that journey uh, with your body, I hope that you hear in this series that the Western norms and ideals for beauty and health and all the rest of it ought to be thrown out and that your body is really, really good and God gave it to you and I hope that you can use it for beautiful things to experience joy and pleasure and that in the midst of the pain of the world that we make a journey together that would be really healing so thanks for joining me erica this podcast series has been really fun and i hope all of you that have watched it if you missed any episodes go back and watch them i hope it's a blessing thanks for being with us and we're looking forward to journeying together through advent it's a really important season in the life of the church And it's one that we get to bring clean water to people all across the globe. So God bless you and have a great day.